The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Susan and um, I'm kicking off the new series this morning that we have on um, relationships. It's Relationship Matters and hopefully we might get the slides happening, but I see a busy hive at the back working there, so um, might just need to follow along audibly a little bit more this morning. Um, So this morning um, I'm going to be focusing... Oh, well done, guys. Well done. Good job. Um, So this morning I'm going to be focusing on singleness Um, and so looking at some of the challenges of being single, uh, some of the opportunities that we have and how we can care for the single people in our lives, Uh, looking at I guess some of the do's and don'ts uh, of um, yeah how to how to care for singles and and again just finishing up with some encouragement um, for those who are single. I just want to acknowledge though that that I know that it's not a one size fits all. That singleness comes in lots of different shapes and forms. Um, so obviously I'm drawing on a lot of my own personal experiences, um, but I do hope that there is encouragement for you this morning. Um, and I do want to make a bit of a disclaimer. I'm going to be pretty direct this morning, particularly for those who aren't single, in just um, some of the things that you may not even be aware of that you're doing that can be really quite hurtful and harmful. Um, so I just pray that, that you would receive um, the message this morning with the spirit that it's given in is in love and how we can build up um, the body of Christ to make it stronger, to make it function as God has intended it to. Um, in John 13:35, it says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. Um, our love and our care for one another, I think, is one of the best evangelistic tools that we have in, in drawing other people into uh, the kingdom. So, again, just wanting us to encourage one another in, in how we can love and support one another. So some of you might be surprised to to see singleness in a relationship series, Um, but I do want to just start off with some stats that that might actually surprise you, and they come from Karen Pack, who um, used to come here many years ago, um, in an article that she wrote called The Single Strife, Um, and she's um, got some great points in that article that I've drawn on a bit this morning, but... um, from In 2016 in the church, 47.6% of adults were unmarried. Um, so singles do make up a, a substantial part of the church's population and probably this church's population that you may not have been aware of. Now there's um, often quite a number of negative perceptions about singleness and even I guess singles to some extent um, from I guess, uh, people personally having those uh, misconceptions from people within the church and even society at large. So I think, and I think one of the most common misconceptions, whether it's conscious or not, that uh, single people are incomplete, that they're self-centred, that they might be too much, um, have too much focus on their career and materialistic things, uh, that they're immature, Uh, the list goes on. So I think that this is a great opportunity for us to spend some time really um, addressing some of those negative perspectives and, um, yeah, I guess challenging us how we can um, do differently. So why don't we pray? Lord, help me. Help me to clarify your word clearly this morning. I pray that, um, yeah, we would just hear your word 
with open hearts, open minds, that, um, Lord, we would put your word into action. Holy Spirit, we invite you to move in this place to convict us of ways or areas where we perhaps have fallen short of your desire for us. Um, But, Lord, I just pray that, yeah, we would be able to learn more from your word, how to apply it and, and how to live it out to give you glory and to make your name known. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to start out with, um, I guess, some of the challenges for, for single people and I'm um, going to hit off with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 to 8, which says, It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, which is any sexual activity outside of marriage, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. While I'm sure there's applications in this passage to married couples, um, I guess the the biggest thing that comes out of it is um, highlighting a a challenge that is very unique to singles in that um, we're not able to experience sexual gratification, whether with a partner or even self-gratification. Um, and that, that is a genuine challenge for single people, given that we have been created as sexual beings and with that sexual desire. But God's really clear there with those instructions about um, living in holiness and avoiding that se- sexual sin. Um, I think this is particularly challenging when we live in such a sexualized world. Um, pornography is just prolific um, in society and, dare I say, within the church as well. Um, and it's problematic because of how readily available it is, um, and it's such a, a distortion of God's gift of sex to, to married couples. Of, uh, I won't go into, I guess, the ins and outs of it, but just, um, yeah, how much it distorts what, what um, sex should be. Um, some other, I guess, issues that, that perhaps uh, we may not even consider, I think for, for women in particular, um, we often um, have struggles in terms of our fantasies and just desiring to be pursued and romanced and, and both of those things can lead to sexual sin. Um, so while it's important to pursue righteousness and holiness and avoid that sexual sin, I think the challenge for singles is to shift the focus away from what we can't do and what we're foregoing or what we're missing out on, what we're giving up, and actually shifting our focus towards what we should be pursuing, which ultimately is to have that intimacy with Christ. Um, And an extension of that as well is to have strong, committed and intentional friendships with others, especially those within the body of Christ. There's a quote from um, David W. Gill and he states that sex may not be crucial to everyone, but committed relationships certainly are. Jesus and Paul had full, rich lives without sex, but not without intimate friendships. Authentic human life is koinonia life, not just casual, but intentional, intentional relationships are essential for discernment and growth. 
for good thoughts and actions. Now we're going into that a little bit later just about the importance of um, friendship and community and how we all can be a part of that. But if, um, yeah, if, if um, sexual gratification is a genuine struggle for you, I just wanted to touch on some practical tips for that. The first one, and, and Rohan actually mentioned this as part of Connect Group, is accountability. So important to be open and honest, not just with yourself, but other people around you and, and having one or, or a couple of people who you trust, who are mature in their faith, who are not going to bring judgment and condemnation, but can really, um, yeah, help, help you in that situation, ask you the tough questions, but also to stand with you and pray with you through that struggle. So I guess for the um, other, other people where that, that may not be an issue, for you to um, be willing to, to have, have that role. No one, no one likes those awkward conversations, um, but it does work, I guess, both ways. Um, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, No temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you that, it's, that is not common to human experience. Nor is any temptation unusual or beyond resistance. But God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation, he has in the past and now and will always provide you the way out as well. So that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. Some, pa- uh, some things I'd like to draw out in this passage. The first thing is you're not alone. It makes it clear that um, we don't experience temptation that is beyond other people's experiences. It's not uncommon. Um, sexual sin is, not, is common to, to humans. Um, and so I think sometimes, particularly with sexual sin, that the enemy really tr- tries to do a work of bringing shame and condemnation that you're the only one if people knew oh my gosh like you know it would just be so horrible if they knew the real you uh, but you're not alone you're not alone um, and so again just encouraging you to to be open and honest with those struggles the second thing in this passage uh, that, that is highlighted is that God provides a way out so look for that way out um, and better yet avoid the triggers um, perhaps be aware of, of what it is, what, like what state of mind or are there particular movies or songs or situations um, that, that leave you particularly vulnerable, being aware of those and trying to avoid those particular triggers. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. So we need to draw on um, the Holy Spirit and our ability to exercise that discipline and self-control in our lives. I think um, another part of this is that if you do stumble, to be quick to repent, Um, to ask for forgiveness. Again, the enemy wants to bring that shame. He wants to bring that distance between you and God. Um, But God wants to bring forgiveness and reconciliation um, and freedom as well. And we're promised in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us. So again, if if you do stumble, be quick to repent and receive God's forgiveness there. 
Moving on to um, some other things that the Bible says about singleness. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7 to 8 um, says, and this is Paul speaking here. He says, I wish that all people were as I am. Uh, He's referring to his singleness there. But each person has his own gift from God, one of this kind and one of that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that as a practical matter, it's good if they remain single and entirely devoted to the Lord as I am. So the first thing I see in this passage is that both singleness and marriage are gifts from God. Many single people don't consider their singleness to be a gift. I know when I've heard this passage, when I've not been enjoying my singleness of just eye rolling of like, well, can I exchange the gift for something else? Can I return it? I don't want this gift. Um, but it really, it really is a gift. And I've come to really appreciate the gift of singleness in my journey and just reflecting on just the incredible experiences that I've been able to have. Um, freedom in how I spend my time and money um, is, is a big one. The travel experiences that, that I've been able to enjoy. Um, I live on my own, so I have very minimal conflict in my life, except for like teaching, because there's lots of conflict in teaching when you're dealing with chil- children. But because of that, it's so nice to come home and I'm guaranteed to have a respite when I come home. There's no one to argue with about who's cooking or cleaning up. If I don't want to cook or clean up, like it's, it's fine. So there are some, yeah, some, some great things. And I think another thing too that, that I've really experienced as a blessing from my singleness is that it's given me the time to invest and develop deeper friendships with other people. Um, that I know that um, with the busyness of, of family life that, that others may, may not be able to experience in particular seasons. Paul explains uh, later in that passage in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 32 to 35 that biblical singleness is a gift because it gives us an opportunity to focus more on God um, and in a way that's free from, from common distractions that do come with marriage and family life. Um, But again, I think sometimes singleness see this as, well, like, that's great. Like, my my gift is I have to do more work um, and see it as an obligation rather than a gift. But I think, again, we need to challenge our perspective that um, what it means to serve the Lord, um, that it shouldn't be something that we do out of obligation, um, but it's out of our love for him and... um, as we focus more on the Lord and we serve him, that we can experience greater intimacy with him. And I think that that's actually God's desire. I don't think that it's about the acts. It's not the stuff that we do that God is really after. I mean, he's, he's God. He could get stuff done without us. But it's through that process that we develop that greater intimacy with God. And I think that's really what the, the heart of, of him desiring us to serve him. Um. This, there was an article that I came across by um, Bella DePaulo from the University of California. And according to a study done in the US, single people are more likely uh, to encourage, help and socialise with their friends and neighbours. They're more likely to visit, support, advise and stay in touch with their siblings and parents. Single people, regardless of whether they live alone or with others, also volunteer more for social service organisations, educational groups and hospitals. So I guess the challenge, regardless of whether you're single or not, is are you using your time and resources to serve the Lord? Um, I think another challenge that singles experience is loneliness. 
We've been created to live in community. We're not um, created to be isolated. And this was modelled by Jesus himself with his relationship with the disciples and, and the people that he encountered. Um, Karen Pack also points out in The Single Strife that Jesus' relationship with those that he came across was a personal one. It wasn't just a universal love that he kind of gave everyone, but he was so intentional and, and personal in his love for people. Um, and so other passages that highlight the importance of, of community and having those intentional friendships is from Ephesians 4.16. It says, He... Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We need one another to make us grow and be full of love and, and for us to function in a healthy way. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11 it says, Therefore encourage and comfort one another and build up one another just as you are doing. Philippians 2 Verse 3 to 4 says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, through factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And so that's what we're called to as a body of believers, is to, to encourage one another, to, um, to care for one another, to, live, uh, to love one another. Um, now, the next passage I'm going to read is often a passage that we hear at weddings, um, but I really feel that, like, it's not just talking about a couple, it's talking just about brotherhood and, and friendship. From Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, it says, Two are better than one because they have a more satisfying return for their labour. For if either of them falls, the other one can lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and does not have another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, then they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And though one can overpower him who is alone, who two can resist him? The cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So again, it's just highlighting that importance of us doing life together. Um, so my challenge for singles is how you can use your singleness and the times, time and resources that you have as a single to um, be a blessing to, to other people. Uh, so whether it's hanging out with parents and um, at their homes and being okay with the, the multiple disruptions that they have if they're attending to a little one, might be offering to babysit, could be visiting the elderly, driving them to an appointment, doing an odd job around the house that they're maybe not able to do, uh, providing meals. We've got a great, um, great system at church that I love being a part of that when people are um, unwell or have had an operation or are welcoming a new child into the family that we have a meal roster. It'd be great to have um, everyone involved in that, whether you're single or not, and whether you're male or female, might I add, just to, yeah. So, Rohan, yeah, that's it. <laughs> might be um, volunteering kids or creche or the plenty of other um, other areas in the church that we have or it could be volunteering with other organizations like we heard this morning with Ronald McDonald House but I want to focus now on on how um, people who aren't single how you can care for those particularly those who might be experiencing loneliness or feeling isolated rejected uncared for unloved unvalued um, because it is, again, it's our responsibility to care for one another. 
So things like remembering and celebrating birthdays and, and, and other accomplishments is really important, particularly for single people, particularly if they live on their own. Valentine's Day is coming up and I love what the, the Williams do that I think they renamed it, I don't know how long ago, as the I Love You Day. And it's just a lovely way to make it an inclusive day, not a you either have a partner or you're a reject. Um, which sometimes is how, how it can feel on that day, particularly if you're in a workplace where people love to deliver flowers to. My goodness, that can be, can be a tough day. Um, making time for single people, okay? Intentional time to catch up with up. And I know that, again, everyone's, everyone's busy, but this matters. People matter. And so we need to make that a priority. Even things like inviting them along to family birthdays or kids' birthday parties. Um, now, I know for some single people that can be like a bit of an, a, a stab in the heart if that um, not having a family of their own is an issue. But I think still extending that welcome to, to make them feel included and leave it up to them whether they feel um, like they're, they're willing to, to be go along to that. Um, caring them for, for when they're sick. Um, or during stressful times. I was so blessed when I got COVID last year to have uh, a bunch of women from the church send over a, a food package for me. Um, it was just, yeah, such a blessing to know that, that I had that support. And I know that other people have experienced that too. Um, just being mindful of, of singles when you're planning church events or, or you know, might be other events as well. And this one, I think, is, is really, I want to focus a bit on this one, is being open and honest about marriage. I think, um, and I've experienced this as well, that it's this sense that marriage is some sort of secret society that you don't have a membership to and so you can't find anything else about it. And I think that that can be quite hurtful in the sense that it's almost this sentiment that we're not trustworthy to hear about it, to hear about the struggles um, and I think that that's damaging in a number of ways. One, that it, it can be quite insulting, but also it's really helpful for us to have a realistic idea of married life because it's so easy, I think, for both married and, and single couples to think that the grass is greener. Oh, you've got it really easy because you don't have to argue with someone about who's doing the dishes. Um, but I think for us to be open and honest about our struggles, and obviously, yes, there's a time and place for that, and I understand that people are wanting to respect their spouses, but I think it's really important that if we're encouraging single people to be accountable and vulnerable about the struggles that they're having in their singleness, that's got to go both ways as well. <coughs> um, another aspect of, of singleness, especially when it feels burdensome, um, is an, it's an opportunity for us to develop contentment regardless of our circumstances. In James 1, verse 2 to 4, it says, Consider it nothing but, but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith lacking in nothing. Um, I think I've shared this before, but I've I really experienced a, a, a turning point when I started to focus more on what I did have rather than focusing on what I didn't. So just an encouragement there to really protect your contentment there. Um, I remember hearing at a, a birthday party I was at recently um, that 
someone similar to my age was like, no one ever told me that I could be single and happy. And um, I'd, I haven't quite had that same experience, but again, from particularly women, from when we were little girls, it's been drilled into us that our happily ever after is associated with marriage and that you can't achieve ha happily ever after unless you've found your one true love. Um, and that's reinforced with the movies that we see, the, the lyrics in songs, all of the reality TV shows that are about finding one soulmate. Um, it just permeates throughout society. And I think it's actually even worse sometimes in the church. Um, this idea that marriage provides this ultimate relational fulfillment. And I think that can be dangerous both for single people but also for couples as well because they go into marriage with this expectation that their spouse is to fulfill their every need and that's not right. And it, it can often lead to a lot of disappointment and, and strife. Um, so I think we need to be careful about how we um, act, how we... Um, the ways that we may intentionally or not be promoting marriage, um, even things like phrases like referring to your spouse as your better half. That implies that if you're not married, you're half a person, that you're not whole. The Bible says that it's about two becoming one, not two halves becoming one. So just little, little, things, little things like that that you just need to be mindful of. When you meet someone for the first time, how many of you start off with, so how, are you married? Do you have kids? Yeah? Again, that's reinforcing that that's the norm. That's what's expected. And far out, I've had many awkward conversations that say, no. And then there's this awkward silence. And then it's like, well... <laughs> Yeah, like, so maybe instead of doing that, maybe just ask, so tell me a bit about yourself. And then those things will probably come up. So just, again, just challenging um, the way that we act with other people that, again, is not elevating marriage as the standard. Um, and, my goodness, please don't speak to a single person and ever say that they're being too picky or that you just don't put yourself out there enough. Or have you tried internet dating? Um, you need to pray more, or you need to speak it out in faith, okay? Like, just those types, I'm glad that I'm getting those reactions, yes, because that's how they can come across. And these, like, these are things, I haven't just made these up, these are things that I have either had spoken to me, or some of my single friends have, and they are so hurtful and so damaging, um, and I'm, I'm thankful that I haven't experienced a lot of that at this church. I won't get you off the hook entirely. Um, yeah. The other thing too is don't assume that single people want to be set up with other people. Okay. Um, so yes, some single people are, okay, willing that they welcome that, but don't assume that they are, particularly if you don't know them very well. Okay, because just because you know a, a single Christian person, that is not a good enough standard for that to just be a match, right? Um, so my suggestion to you is if you do have someone in mind, maybe have a conversation with them first and ask them whether they're open to it. And if the answer is no, they don't need to justify it, okay? Um, it, singleness is, because sometimes I think the perception is sing, my singleness is a problem that you need to fix. And again, like that's just not a healthy attitude about singleness. Um, the Bible does not say believe, be baptised and get married. 
okay? But so many, like honestly, so many of you act like it does. Again, just elevating this idea that, that marriage is the be-all and end-all. And I think sometimes there's almost this, this culture of getting married is more important than marrying the right person. Um, and I've seen that so often when, when couples start dating and so quickly the questions are, so when are you getting married? Come on, guys. Seriously, come on. Like it's just not healthy and it's not, particularly again, if you do not know that couple, you don't know what they're going through, you don't know what issues they have, back off. I can't be more like direct about this, it's just not helpful. Um, Being married is not the only way to experience joy, belonging, fulfillment and God's blessing. Um, marriage will not fulfill all of our desires and our relational longings regardless um, of whether you end up getting married or not. So we as a church, we need to actively stop perpetuating this lie and this unrealistic expectation that that marriage is the be-all and end-all. So we need to help fill that desire to have those intentional, intimate friendships, to have that sense of belonging, to have that sense of value and I'm just, I'm so blessed by some of the friends that, that God has brought into my life. Oh man, I was determined I wasn't going to cry. I can do it. Um, but far out, that has been such, a, a, oh man, such, um, like it, it's brought about such an incredible ability to enjoy my contentment because those needs have been filled. Don't ever underestimate. Don't underestimate just the power of sending a text message. Saying that they're thinking of you. Or, um, you know, just a random phone call to check in. Or inviting you out to, to lunch after church or whatever it is. Those things matter. They really do. Okay, we can do this. All right, but I want to just talk to um, some single people now, particularly those of you where you're really not enjoying this season. Um, Just some verses that I wanted to bring as encouragement that I've felt an encouragement to me over the years. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because... God has said he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. It's such an incredible promise. Philippians 4.19 says, And by God and my God will liberally supply, fill until full, your every need according to his riches in glory. Psalm 68 verse 4 to 6a says, Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. You're the family that we've been placed into. That's such a blessing to be a part of. And then Matthew 7, 9 to 11 talks about if our earthly fathers know how to bless us, how much more 
does our Father know how to bless us? He's a good God. And then in Psalm 84, verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows grace and favor and honor. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Um, And then Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God is our Father. He's our provider. He's all-knowing and his timing is perfect. So whether it's clothing, food, friendships, a partner, family... God will provide for all of our needs. I love this quote uh, from a a student at Moore College who was focusing on singleness for her thesis. It says, Church isn't a club for families that we hospitably welcome other people into. Church is the place where married, single, divorced, widowed, whoever you are, if you follow Jesus, this is your family. My challenge for us this morning, church, is for us to create a church that is a family, regardless of how old you are, your marital status, that you feel loved and valued as God values us. Singles are just as much a part of God's family as couples and families. So we need to act like that and we need to really um, not distinguish between people based on, on their marital status let me pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you've welcomed us into your family, Lord. I thank you for the incredible family that we have here at PCC. Lord, will you help us to be a better family, Um, that we would love and care for every member in it, Lord. And Father, I just want to pray, particularly for those um, who are traveling the single life and perhaps feeling a bit weary, perhaps feeling a bit lonely or whatever it is that their struggle is, Father, I just pray that right now your spirit would minister to them. Lord, would they have an overwhelming sense of how loved and cared for that they are, Lord, that you value them, that you cherish them, that you sent your your son to die for them. And Lord, we just want to bind and break every lie that may have been spoken over them. Any word that may have been said, whether intentionally or not, that has caused hurt or pain or division, Lord, we just give that to you and, Father, ask for your healing to just minister to them in such a deep and powerful way, Lord. Help us to trust you. Help us to experience incredible contentment, Lord, regardless of what season we're in, Father. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.